I'm going to talk to you tonight about applying the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to try to tie it into worship. But I, I, I've heard all night since I've been over there, I have, I have heard the word rhythm. I've heard the word rhythm. And, and, and one thing that with that rhythm I was noticing as she was playing the drum tonight, everything stayed in line and stayed in order because of rhythm. Because there was one solid beat. I didn't pay much attention to it really as far as it didn't stand out to me. It wasn't the beautiful high note. It wasn't the beautiful voice. But sometimes in our life, I just feel like the Holy Spirit comes and just invades and kind of messes us up with some stuff. And he's not trying to get your life out of order. He's simply letting you know that the wave of the Spirit continues to move. And, and, and he wants us to learn his rhythm because if we can learn his rhythm, see, we've got the keys and the authority to unlock uh, bondages and chains off of other people. And I keep hearing that word rhythm tonight. And, and I just want to encourage you and tell you tonight that, man, it may seem like you're just on a boat, just out in the middle of a storm, just up and down, up and down, up and down on waves. But all that's happening is your life circumstance is just teaching you the rhythm of the Spirit of God. Because how many people know we're instant in season and instant out of season? Amen. But we appreciate the opportunity to speak to you tonight. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And I won't be long. I want to minister to you tonight just on some things that God has been dealing with me on. And uh, so encouraging to me. But Genesis chapter 3 starting at verse 1. And just follow along with me because I'll skip some verses and hit one, maybe two, skip a couple more and hit another, and then we'll get into this thing. But starting at verse 1, Genesis chapter 3 and 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And then the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took their, the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And then they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Go to verse 14. Verse 14 says, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. And on thy belly thou shalt go, and the dust, of, and the dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. Verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Verse 17, 
And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. And sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 21. And Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. I want you to notice here when you read this account, there's a few reasons that I pointed out some of the verses that I did. But there were a few things where God has been ministering to me this week about some things in my life. And there's some nuggets in here that I guess I'd never seen before, never paid attention before. But we're talking here about the presence of God. We've been talking about worship for the past several weeks. And a lot of us know this account that happened in Genesis where God and uh, man walked face-to-face in a face-to-face, spirit-to-spirit relationship. In the cool of the day, they would come and meet and they would commune just like I would talk to you and you would talk to me that they had a relationship. And then they were tricked, beguiled of the devil They chose to commit treason, and they sinned by eating the fruit. They ate the fruit, and the eyes of them both were opened. And I want you to notice what happens here is that immediately Adam sewed together fig leaves for he and his wife. So he eats the fruit. The eyes of both of them are open. They realize they're naked, and they put clothes on. They sew together fig leaves... And they put on clothes. But then God comes down and he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I heard you speaking and walking in the garden. And I knew that I was naked. So I hid myself. He's not naked in the natural when he says that to God. The eyes of his understanding were opened. The Bible says he realized he was naked He puts something on his body to cover the nakedness in the flesh and he still hides himself and tells God, I'm naked. That doesn't make any sense at all, hardly does it. So he's naked, clothes himself, just trying to draw emphasis out in this, hides himself and tells God, I'm naked. And so then what God does is he did this. The reason I read verse 14 and 15 is God begins to not curse man, but he begins to curse Satan. He says, Satan, you are cursed above everything else in this earth and you will crawl on on your belly all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between your seed and the terminology. Listen, the seed of a woman, women don't have seeds. Women have eggs. They do not have seed. So he says, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and the seed of a woman. And he says that he will bruise your head as you bruise his heel. But then God looks at Adam and he says, because you've done this, the ground is cursed for your sake. I'm laying all this down so I can go somewhere with it. He says, not you, Adam, but the ground, because of what you've done, is cursed. And then God creates or, or, or he has the first blood sacrifice. He takes two animals, he kills them. He takes their skins and he covers them with a bloody skin of an animal. Now I want you to notice, first of all, when all of this happened, God never, ever cursed man. That's very important because of where I'm going with this tonight. God never cursed man. 
Yes, when you and I were born into this world, we were born into a cursed world. Yes, we were born separated from God. Yes, we were born sinners. But only because the earth has been cursed and sin is passed from one man down to the other through the blood of the Father. But God does not curse Adam. God does not curse Eve. God curses the ground. God curses Satan. That's what was cursed, not man. Why is that so important? Because if you and I are born-again Christians and we're operating under any area of the curse, the question is why? Why are we operating under any area of the curse if even when Adam fell before salvation was even available, God never cursed man, he cursed the earth and he cursed the devil? Can I also tell you, because God cursed the devil, it means that when sickness comes upon you, it's not of God. God's not doing it to teach you something. God's not doing it to show his glory. Bad things aren't happening in your life. God's not making you broke. He's not making you poor. He's not hurting your relationships. God's not doing any of those things. If any of those things are happening, God cursed the devil. It's coming as an attack from the devil in a cursed world. It's not coming through God. God does not put something on us that he does not have. God does not have sickness. God is not in poverty. God is not in lack. God does not have hatred in his heart for humanity. Those things do not come from God. They come from the enemy. And God cursed the enemy because he tricked his prized possession, which was humanity. And he said, because of that, I've already got a plan where we're going to destroy your kingdom. And the Bible says in 1 John, it says uh, that uh, Jesus was manifest so that he could destroy the works of the enemy. It confirms that Genesis 3, 14 and 15 here, that happened to put enmity, to, to make a separation, to put friction between the seed of the devil and the seed of the woman. I wanted to point that out to you first of all and also want you to notice this is that when Adam was naked, it was not, he wasn't talking necessarily physical nakedness. He takes the fig leaves, he sews them together. I have an opinion why I believe it was, it was fig leaves. Anytime you read in the Bible about the fig tree, the fig leaves, the fig fruit, it always relates back to Jews, back to the nation Israel every single time. Now notice what Adam is doing here. He's taking leaves of the fig tree and he's covering himself. In other words, what he's saying is this. If I can do something to cover myself, I can do a work that is good enough for myself to be part of the family of God. He's saying I can work hard enough. I can put my hand to the plow hard enough. I can make God happy enough with what I'm doing that I can cover myself with fig leaves and be part of the family by my own hand, by my own efforts, by my own abilities, by my own talents, and by my own works. I can, be, I can get acceptance from God. Notice that then when God comes down, he can't stand before God covered in his stuff, covered in his flesh. And he tells God, God, the reason I hid myself is because my ability and my covering wasn't good enough. But I was naked and I knew I was naked, the, the reality of nakedness, when I heard your voice and I felt your presence come into the garden. Adam, when he was created, dwelt in the presence of God. I believe the literal glory of God that fell behind the veil literally clothed Adam and Eve before they fell. 
I believe that they were covered with the glory of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the cloud of God. I believe that they had that upon themselves. What else could it be? He couldn't have been talking about fleshly things because in the flesh he wasn't naked, he was covered. In the flesh his wife wasn't naked, she was covered. And the real shame isn't to bear yourself in the flesh naked. The real shame is to be uncovered in the spirit and be separated from God. Do you understand if you're here today and you're born again or if you're a sinner, you will never really die as far as never cease to exist? You will live, your spirit will live forever. What the Bible talks about in the second death isn't your physical death, it is eternal separation from your creator. What does God do when we get to heaven? He clothes us with his glory. He clothes us with a raiment of white and his righteousness. All this foundational getting to where I want to go. Adam carried the glory of God upon himself. Adam lost the glory of God. He was not cursed, but was in a cursed world, lost the communication with God, and in a form that brought the curse into his life. When you disconnect yourself from God, the curse always has access back into your life and back into my life. But then God goes and he does this. He kills two animals and he covers Adam and Eve with the skins. The significance is not in the skin. The significance is in the blood. God took a lamb, I believe here, killed the animal, whatever it was, I believe a lamb, shed its blood, covered them with a bloody garment. Covered them with a bloody garment. Only pointing to what Christ would do for us as the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. As they stood there covered with the blood, it signifies to you and I that you and I too must be covered by the blood of Jesus. There was the first blood covenant made there. And I want to get this back to the New Testament, but that's the first blood covenant there. What, what happened is, is I believe God must have went down and explained to them the power of the blood, the power of the blood covering, the power of the blood covenant. The reason I know this is because in the next generation when their sons came and they presented what they called worship to God, one brought of his flesh, the work of his hands, fruit, vegetables. He brought them to God and God said, I cannot accept this. But Abel brought to me a lamb. He brought to me a blood sacrifice. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The blood of Jesus is the very thing that we need in today's world. I believe in praise and these messages have been absolutely awesome. But what I want to speak to you tonight about tonight is having confidence to know that you and I can enter into the presence of God. Having absolute assurance, knowing that I am worthy, I am qualified, I am well able to stand in the presence of God when I praise and when I worship. I don't have to work myself up to try to get a praise on or a worship on hoping that maybe I can attract him through something of my flesh and have him step into my life when I need him to step into my life. 
I believe in praise and I believe in worship. I know that when I begin to praise him and I begin to worship him, I know he begins to invade my life right where I'm at. And he begins to make all things new in my life and restore everything in my life that's out of order. But I know the only reason that I have the ability to even begin to step into his presence isn't because of my weak praise. It is because of the blood of Jesus that grants me access and the ability and the qualification to be able to step in into his presence covered by the blood so that I can see him in a face-to-face relationship. I believe that as he is, so are we in this world. I believe that I can experience the fullness of God bodily right here in this earth that I live and I dwell and I move in. I believe that if a cloud by day and a fire by night, a tangible presence of God can lead millions of people through a a desert minus the blood of Jesus, I believe that a power and a glory and an anointing of God can fall right in our living rooms when we begin to know that by faith I have the ability to praise my God and worship my God and he will come to me because as I praise and worship he will begin to understand and look at me and say listen I love his praise and I love his worship but now I can go and be with him because the blood of Jesus attracts me to him it is the blood of Jesus that covers us It is the blood of Jesus that prepares a way for us. The Bible says that we were made, that we draw nigh him by the blood of his cross. You and I have access into the presence of God, not because of how cute we are, not because of how pretty we are, not because of the pedigree and the PhD behind our name. You and I have access into his throne room because of the blood of Jesus. And if I may, I'd love to speak to some religious spirits tonight and let them know that it does not matter the ethnicity of the person that's praising and worshiping, nor does it matter of the economic status, nor does it matter about the dress code or the tattoos or the long hair or the beard or the makeup or the no makeup. I am telling you, it doesn't matter. What matters is to whether or not we can enter into the presence of God is whether or not we have accepted and been covered by the blood of Jesus or whether we have accepted him or rejected him and we cannot step into his presence. You and I will not make it into heaven because of the works we did. You and I will not make it into heaven because of the great things we did. And yes, I believe in coming to church. And yes, I believe in reading the word. And yes, I believe in in living a holy life. I'm not giving any license at all tonight to go live like a hellion. But what I am telling you is your only way into heaven will be the blood of Jesus. Not what you did, not what you didn't do. But it will be based on what Christ did for you on the cross as your complete substitutionary sacrifice for the sin of you in your life. The blood of Jesus is still our access point. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. It is the most powerful thing on earth. Right now in heaven, saints are talking about the blood of Jesus. When you read Revelation, they're saying, how did you make it it here? And they're saying, we overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The Bible says that there is a great one that will come and it says that his name is written in blood. The Bible says all throughout heaven that they see, that they begin to sing and worship about the blood, the redemptive blood. Right now in heaven, they are singing about that. They're talking about the blood of Jesus right now. Let me tell you why they're talking about the blood of Jesus. This is where I wanted to get to. We've got to understand the, 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 the purity and the power of the blood of Jesus. 
The Bible says that sin entered into one man and passed unto the next man through, through the bloodline. In other words, my children were born liars because their daddy was born a sinner. That sinful humanity part of me passed into my children. Now, some people get mad when I make statements like that, but just come to my house and watch my little girl disobey me. I did not teach her to disobey me. I did, when I went home today, I told her she had to eat her dinner before she could have a cookie. I go to the other room, I come back, and there's fudge round on her face, and I asked her, did you eat a cookie? And she told me, Daddy, no. And I said, Scarlett, you lied to me. And she said, but Daddy, you promised I could have one. <laughs> I know that's all cute. No, I don't believe she'll go to hell because she hasn't reached an age of accountability. But it proves that there is a root in her life called sin. There is something, there is a nature she was born with that makes her want to rebel and do evil. We were all born with it. It's called sin. And so my blood is the reason that my children were born sinners. It was passed on down to me. It's not my fault, but that's how it passed. In the natural, that's how it passed. So let me clarify that. If your children are living like hell, I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm saying that that's how the sin nature is passed, is through parents to the children. It's a, it's a blood order. It's a blood thing. It started at the first Adam, and it continues to spread throughout humanity. But not so with the blood of Jesus. Scientifically, it can be proven that the blood in a child always comes from the father. What is in the seed of man always produces the blood that will be in the child. The DNA that will create the blood in that fetus inside the womb of a woman always comes from the father. It is created by the father. Understand that when the blood of Jesus was placed into his body, it was not placed there by Joseph, nor was it placed there by Mary. The Bible says that when, when it came time to place Jesus, the seed, the word, inside the womb of Mary, that it says this thing was, is not of you, this thing is not of man, but this thing is of the Holy Ghost. I don't know why in the world we have gotten off in left field sometimes and we start saying things, well, I bet Jesus looked like his mommy. No, he did not. He did not look like his mommy on earth. He did not look like his, the person that acted as a father on earth because the Bible says that she had nothing in him and he had nothing in her. He was placed there by the Holy Spirit. The seed, the son of God, the word of God was placed in the womb of Mary all by himself. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And the Bible says this thing shall be of the Holy Ghost. The very blood of Jesus, the very blood of God, the very blood that was placed into the first Adam before sin entered into his bloodstream. The purity of the blood, the most life-giving thing on earth was placed in the womb of Mary in the form of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Leviticus 17, 11, he says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given the blood to you to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your soul. The blood of Jesus cannot die. The blood of God cannot die. The only reason that our blood dies is because of sin. And if you would tie a tourniquet around your arm, your arm 
would begin to die because blood would be cut off and your flesh or whatever it is cannot live without the moving of blood. Your blood supplies everything in your body that you need to live. They can hook you up to a machine to make your lungs breathe. They can hook you up to a machine to make your heart beat. But if you lose your blood, you will die. If there is an absence of blood, there is a a predominance of death where there is no blood. If you and I would, if I would cut my hand and pour it out here on the stage tonight... The blood would look living for a little while, but it would begin to dry up and eventually it would stink and it would rot and it would decay because there is sin in my blood. Not so with the blood of Jesus. Not so with the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus lives forevermore. And I want you to understand that you and I have access through this blood. When Jesus was here on the earth, the blood was on assignment. I do not believe that Jesus came here on this earth and went through everything he went through just by chance or just because that's what man decided to do to him. The Bible says that Jesus looked at Pilate and he said, I freely lay down my life. No man takes it away from me. Every plan of redemption was strategically planned by the Father and initiated by and fulfilled by the Son. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews... That Jesus, our high priest, took the blood once and for all and entered into the holies of holies which is in heaven and he sprinkled the blood out on the mercy seat which is in heaven. Now let me back up. The blood of Jesus was on assignment. Yes, Jesus came to die and redeem us from the sins, from our sin and redeem us back to God to purchase us. But if all he came here to do was purchase a a plane stamp, a bus trip to heaven, if that's all salvation was, if that's all the blood of Jesus purchased for us, then he went through so many other things in vain. Because all he would have had to have done is somehow shed blood for our souls, die and rise again. That's all that would have happened. He did not have to be nailed in his hands for our salvation to get us to heaven. He did not have to be nailed in his feet to get us to heaven. Now listen, don't get mad at me yet. I promise you I'm going somewhere. He did not have to wear a crown of thorns and bleed from his brow to get us to heaven. He did not have to be tied to a post and whipped with a cat of nine tails on his back and on his front two shoulders. And shed his blood from his torso, from his back, to get us to heaven. He simply had to bleed and die for us as sin and rise again. So why did he do everything else that he did? Why did he bleed seven places? Why did he bleed from his hands, his feet, his side, his face, his brow, and his back? Why? Because the blood was on an assignment. How did Jesus walk into the holies of holies, which is in heaven, with the blood that he shed here on earth? How did it get there? What was it for? Why did he do it? Because he was redeeming the entire man. Because the entire man was separated from God. He was redeeming man spiritually. He was redeeming man's soul. And he was redeeming our body for us. 
Jesus died as a substitute. Why? Because the Bible says that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. For it is written, Curses every man that hangeth on a tree. The curse of the law is spiritual death. The curse of the law is physical sickness and disease. The curse of the law is poverty, lack, and want. He redeemed us from those things. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. And the blood was on assignment. The blood of Jesus speaks. How do I know that? Because in the book of Revelation, the Bible says that the Father hears the voice of the blood of the martyrs crying up vengeance. Vengeance, when shalt thou have vengeance for our lives? The Bible says, Cain, why did you kill your brother Abel? And he said, what are you talking about? How do you know I did that? And he said, he didn't say because I saw you do it with my all-seeing eye. He said, because in my very ears at this moment, I hear his blood crying out to me from the ground. Blood does have a voice and blood does speak. Even if you and I would have to take a DNA test, your blood will speak a language of who you are and where you came from, and it will prove who your children are. It will prove what you've produced. It will prove to your next of kin is your blood has a voice. Blood speaks with your blood. When you go into a doctor, they draw blood. They don't, they don't go into your kidneys to make sure you don't have kidney disease at first. They draw your blood and your blood begins to tell the doctor some certain things about your kidney and about your cholesterol and about your liver enzymes and about all these different things because your blood speaks louder about you than anything else. Your blood has a voice. The blood of Jesus speaks for you and I today. And this is what I believe with my whole heart. I believe that the blood was on assignment. And this is what I believe happened. I believe that as Jesus is there in the garden of Gethsemane, I believe as he begins to sweat great drops of blood and he begins right there in that garden to become sin for us. I believe, notice that everywhere Jesus goes, it's not only a different place he bleeds, it's a different location that he goes. So he's in the garden. He begins to to sweat great drops of blood. He leaves there. They begin to beat him with rods and pluck his beard. He leaves there. They put a crown of thorns on him and begin to beat his head with a reed. He leaves there. They tie him someplace up else, uh, tie him up someplace else to a whipping post and they whip him with the cat of nine tails. He leaves there and he begins to walk the carry the cross up Galgotha's hill and they lay him on the ground and they drive nails into his hands and into his feet and then they move the cross and raise it up and the last place he bleeds is where they. They take the spear and they pierce his side and he bleeds there the seventh time. Every single different place. Why? Because the blood was on assignment and he didn't want us to make any, have any differentiating uh, opinion about what the blood was doing for us. This is what I believe. For instance, Jesus had to go to the whipping post. He took upon himself in that moment and in that place our sickness and our disease. And with a whip, he was whipped and he shed blood in his back. And I believe that as they took him to the next place, that an angel or somehow supernaturally, that blood that cannot die was collected and taken to heaven awaiting for him to step behind the veil. I believe that. That blood that bled that was shed right there at the whipping post had a voice. 
The blood on his brow that said you'll no longer have to be cursed just because the land is cursed. Just Your mind doesn't have to be cursed anymore. Your thought life doesn't have to be cursed anymore. You don't have to be bound up in your mind anymore. When he took nails in his hands, he's saying, now I can now again bless the work of your hands. I can prosper you. When he took the nails in his feet, he said, now you can walk as I walk. I can lead you. I can direct your path. When he was pierced in the side, blood and water came forth. And he said, now you can be birthed as the New Testament church. Why am I saying all that? I'm saying that because I want us to be encouraged and I at least am about what I'm about ready to say. In heaven right now, there is a voice speaking on your behalf and on my behalf. There is a voice that is crying out for you and crying out for for me. There is a blood that the Bible says in Hebrews, a blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. There is a blood that the book of Hebrews says that, that if the blood of bulls and the ashes of an heifer uh, and the, to the, could, could cleanse you to the purifying and the sprinkling of your souls, how much more shall the blood of Jesus purge our consciousness from dead works? There is a blood that is available to speak on your behalf and on my behalf. There is a blood that's speaking on your behalf and on my behalf. I'm not waiting for the blood to speak for me. The blood is speaking for me. Why do I praise and worship? Because the Bible says now through Jesus, I can enter boldly into the throne of grace to receive mercy in my time of need. I praise and worship and I get there through the blood of Jesus. But once I'm there, I begin to live in the realm where he is. I begin to identify in his domain. I begin to flow in the spirit, in the spirit of God where he is. And things will begin to get downloaded on the inside of me. And I'll begin to bleed from up out of me. I'll begin to hear the blood of Jesus speak over my life. And what I'll begin to do then is I'll begin to agree with the voice of the blood of Jesus that by his stripes I am healed. Every single one of you that are born again, whether you're walking in it now or whether you'll walk in it tomorrow, by his stripes you are healed. There is a blood crying out into the ears of your father right now. It is the blood of Jesus that every time we get a bad doctor's report, every time something happens to our body, we can stand up and boldly say, by his stripes, I am healed. Why? Not that I will be. It was already accomplished. And after it was accomplished, he took the blood and he placed it on an altar called the mercy seat. And what mercy means is that God does not put things on me that I deserve because man was never cursed. The earth was cursed. The ground was cursed. My blood was cursed. But I have a blood that is now applied to my life that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And the blood of Jesus speaks over my life that I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and never beneath. That's why I praise him. That's why I worship him because I don't have to be good enough to get it. I don't have to be good enough and work myself up to deserve it. I deserve it because I've been covered by the blood of Jesus. And when I begin to walk in error is when I begin to walk around, oh, ho-hum with my head hanging down. Unworthy am I. So unworthy is me. And what we say is Jesus, your blood was not good enough and its voice does not speak the truth over our lives. 
The blood of Jesus is our access point into the presence of God. Yes, we have to praise. Yes, we have to worship. But let me tell you why. It's because it positions us. That's what praise and worship does. It positions us and makes us realize who we already are. It puts us in a place where we can begin to focus on him. And when we begin to focus on him, he always shows up. Every time in the Bible, this is what you'll always see. It took someone focusing on Jesus. And when they did, Jesus always showed up. And you can believe whatever you want to believe. But I'll give you an example. The Bible says that Jesus was there and they brought all, they brought many people to him. And the Bible says that he cast out devils out of all of them that were demon possessed. And he healed all who were sick. See, the world might try to be many, bring many. But I promise you this, Jesus has never turned away anyone that has ever come to him for anything. No, he has not. Jesus has not turned anyone away that's ever come to him and asked. Why am I saying this? Because when you and I begin to focus upon Jesus Christ, it begins to put us in alignment of, in, into where who he is. And when I'm standing in the right place, Bishop preached a message, one of the first messages he preached when I came here, and he preached a message on order. You remember that message? Because he taught when things get in order, everything else just lines up. All God's trying to get us to do is put Jew the first, and if we'll put Jew the first, everything else can follow. That's why we enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. We enter in because we're putting ourselves into alignment to receive what we already have. In other words, I am well on my way to becoming who I already am. Every time I praise, every time I worship, I am lining myself up and putting myself in a position to become in the natural who I already am through Christ Jesus and through the blood. <laughs> Pastor Jamie, I am finished tonight. <clears throat> but I wanted to encourage you about the blood of Jesus tonight because I don't know about you, but I'm about sick and tired of being sick and tired in areas in my life. <clears throat> I'm tired of when the enemy can't get to me personally or maybe get to you personally. He begins to attack loved ones and he begins to attack people around us. And what I say is not in my house. I say as for me in my house, we shall serve the Lord. Now, I don't know what your stance is, but I've already got victory and you've already got victory because of the blood of Jesus. And I believe that we can begin to apply the blood of Jesus to our lives and to our situations and we'll begin to see him move again. I finish on this very last thing. You all stand to your feet. Very last thing, I was, I was praying about this the other day, and for about two years, I've really gotten after the study in the blood. Man, I love to, to teach and preach on the blood. I love it. And about two months ago, every day since my daughter and son have been born, I go in every day and I plead the blood over them. That's what I say. I go in, I plead the blood of Jesus over you. May all your days be blessed. I release the blessing over your life. You won't even dash your foot against a stone. I begin to just speak the blessing over them. I begin to speak over their lives what the blood of Jesus does. And for, for two and a half years, well, for over three years now, I've done it every day of their lives. And God arrested me a couple months ago. 
And he asked me, he said, what are you doing? I'm pleading the blood over, over my children. Why? Because your word tells me to plead the blood of Jesus. He said, where? Well, the Passover lamb and start naming my things, right? And he said, show me where I ever tell anyone to plead the blood over anything. I said, I'm not seeing what you're saying. He said, I told them that if they would take the blood and apply the blood, if they would apply the blood, death would pass over them. If they would apply the blood, because when you and I plead something, we beg of God. And we are not beggars, we are children. We're not trying to get the kingdom, we are possessors of the kingdom. We're not trying to live and move and have our being through Him. We do live and move and have our being through Him. We're not trying to be healed, we are the healed of the Lord. We're not trying to get redeemed, we are the redeemed of the Lord. We're not trying to get joy and hope, we have joy and hope through the Spirit of God, through the blood of Jesus. And so tonight, as Pastor Jamie ministers, can we just practice applying the blood of Jesus over things in our life? Can we just apply it? You know, the older generation, man, they had this skill mastered. Man, they used to slap blood on everything. But can we do that just as Pastor Jamie ministers tonight? Can we just apply the blood of Jesus to areas in our lives that it just seems like all hell is breaking loose in our lives? Because listen to me, there is a voice that speaks louder than your problem. And you have the authority to step into the presence of God. So tonight as Pastor Jamie ministers, let's just do that. Let's just apply the blood of Jesus. Amen. Father, we apply the blood of Jesus over our lives tonight. Father, we we apply the blood of Jesus over our pastors first, Father. God, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you that the anointing flows from the head down. And we thank you, Father, for the spirit of unity that is on their life and that is on their marriage. Father, because we know the blessing is commanded where unity is. And, Father, we know that that anointing of unity flows from that head down. So, Father, we place ourselves under that anointing, Father. And we thank you that the anointing of the breaker, God, flows in every one of our lives. God, we apply the blood of Jesus, Father, over this community. God, we speak to people who are bound by drugs. And we command freedom to come into their lives. Father, we apply the blood of Jesus to those who are sick in this church, Father. We are believing that there will be days when someone will walk through the door and cancer will completely fall off of their body only because this is a dwelling place for your spirit. This is where you live. This is the king's domain. Father, we apply the blood of Jesus today over our children. Father, protect them, guide them, guard them, Father. God, we expect financial miracles and breakthroughs, Father, because we apply the blood of Jesus over our finances. And God, we will use these finances to spread the gospel and to build the kingdom and save lives and reach souls, Father. God, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood. Father, over our lost loved ones, over our lost family, we apply the blood of Jesus. We release the power of the blood of Jesus over their lives. We claim them for the kingdom. God, we ask the blood to speak in our behalf for them, Father, and bring them into your household of faith, Father. God, we love you. We thank you tonight, Father. We thank you tonight for your blood, Jesus. Yes, we bless you. We bless you, Jesus.
Son Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law, has cleansed us, that has made us pure, that has made us righteous, right standing with you. Thank you, God, for the atonement, not only in salvation, but healing and deliverance. We give you praise and give you thanks for that tonight. We thank you for it. Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give him a good praise right here tonight?